1: Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. And right now we are very happy to go out to the 101 ESPN hotline to be joined by our friend Cardinals insider for The Athletics. She's Katie Wu joining us here on the show. Katie, we appreciate the time as always. How are you doing this
0: morning? Hello, guys. Uh, Happy Monday and a happy Jack Flaherty Day to to all who observe. I actually did have to make sure it was Monday today before I said that, but I think we're off to a good start.
2: Man, Katie, you're only like two weeks into the season and you don't even know what day it is yet?
0: I know. I actually the other day was going through my notes, and I said, "What day is it?" April thirtieth. And <laughs> someone walked by, and they were like, "Where? Where? What are you doing?" And I was like, "I don't know. I have no idea."
1: <laughs> you also spilled. Um, was it cheese on your score sheet over the weekend? Oh, oh. Gosh.
0: oh. Gosh, you guys, you have to understand, my scorebook is like my my holy grail. Okay, this is a bit... writers and their attachment to their scorebooks cannot be like this. I know I'm, like, I'm dramatic for a lot of things, but that one was devastating. But shout out. To the Bob Carpenter scorebook because it is resilient and we cleaned it all up and it is mostly good to go.
2: Hey, let me tell you something, Katie. It's it's pre and post game host too because I got a scorebook and I get very irritated when I write the shots on goal during a period and then the NHL decides to change it. And once the book's ruined, I can't come back from it. The whole night is over.
0: It's Seriously, I'm like, oh, now I have to scratch all this out, and I do everything in pen because, you know, I believe I'll never make a mistake of in course. my life. So it's just, it's just a whole mess. But I'm glad you can relate to my scorebook pain. It's
1: like Air Force Ones to Nelly. Oh, Once God. you scuff them, you mess up your whole night. Scorebooks, and pretty much. Bruce Springsteen is like the the mantra of baseball writers across the country. I expect <laughs> that from Tanner, but not you, sir. What, Bruce Springsteen? Yeah, he's. I ask Katie. <laughs> Katie knows every baseball know. writer that is a man across the country listens to Bruce on repeat. It's, it's Unbelievable!
0: It's, it's uh, unbelievable is a great word for it. I'm not here to judge anyone's music case, but it's like a rite of passage that, like you, you like Bruce state. Oh, if you're a male and you write baseball.
1: <laughs> All right, Katie, let's talk about these Cardinals because uh, it's it's been it's been tough uh, getting guys home when they get on. Finally, yesterday, it broke through with Tommy Edman coming through to be able to win that one for him. Katie, you have a great piece on this over on The Athletic. Walk us through the Cardinals' issues with runners in scoring position. How bad has this been? How does it get fixed?
0: Yeah, this is a great point because I think it's multifaceted and there's a lot of layers here. Uh, First, I'd like to point out. The, the sheer irony and the Cardinals struggling to score, especially with the bases loaded. They were 1-for-16 before Tommy Edmond singled in their winning run yesterday. And it wasn't like they were not hitting the ball hard. I mean, if you look at the batted ball profile for most of these balls that were put in play with the bases loaded, you're seeing everything you want to see. You're seeing the exit velocity. You're seeing the launch angle, etc. So it made me laugh that the Cardinals finally get one through on a ground ball up the middle through the Pirates' five-man infield. Uh, I think that's very, uh, I think it's very indicative to where where the Cardinals are at right now. So let's go through Cardinals, not just with the bases loaded, but with runners in scoring position. We see the Cardinals and their offensive stats. We know where they're ranked. We know they can get on base. We know they can hit. We know they can hit a lot of singles because that's what they've been doing. And the counter argument here is who cares if they can't score? And I hear you. I, I think, you know, the nature of baseball, the point of the game is to score. But when I'm looking at the Cardinals and I'm looking at their approaches relative to with runners on base and empty bases, I see an approach that is almost identical. Again, we look at the batted ball profile, some of the metrics the Cardinals coaching staff are looking at. Exit velocity, hard hit percentage, launch angle, the ability to spray the ball. Those all match up. Whether or not there are people on base or not, happens to be that when there are people on base lately, those balls are going straight to where people are positioned. So, the best way for me to kind of calm the nerves here is to point out a time in 2021 where the Cardinals' offense was just dreadful. And Tom Edmund, actually, was the one who went out and said on his Zoom call, I think we've kind of gotten away from our approach with runners on base, and that's why we're not scoring. It was a huge, big thing, and guess what? About a week later, they started turning it around. I'm seeing the same approach from Cardinal hitters here, which I think makes it a little bit more frustrating from a fan perspective because uh, human nature is that something's not working you fix it and you change it. But the Cardinals have been really steady trusting their approach and knowing that eventually these balls will fall, they'll find the gap. And I know it's early, I know it's frustrating, but that seems to be the mindset that they're taking here.
2: Katie, do you feel like that the Cardinals should – get to the point where they juggle up their lineup a little bit more in terms of moving guys to a little bit more significant of a spot. We were just talking about this during the commercial break, maybe a Nolan Gorman batting at the top of your lineup, considering he's the guy that's finding ways to get the most RBIs. Lineup talk,
1: baby. Here we go. Here we go. Fire
0: me up. Love to do this on a Monday. I actually just saw BK's tweet about the lineup you'd like to see If Burleson is out, sounds like Burleson is okay, but we will see. And I, I like the idea of Gorman hitting in the two hole, but, He's been so successful, but hitting behind Goldie Arnaldo Contreras, and I'm sure we'll get to the why Contreras is hitting fifth segment eventually, <laughs> that you kind of don't want to take your most, I can say arguably consistent hitter, but definitely your most clutch hitter right now out of that 5-6 hole that he's been in because that's where the majority of the RBIs are going to come. bar I mean... This dude apparently is never going to not reach base safely again. We were actually joking yesterday that he's just going to walk every at-bat for the rest of his life, and then he hit a two-run homer, so I guess you can take both of those outcomes. I, I think with the Cardinals, I wouldn't change anything one through four. You can certainly make the argument you got to drop Contreras down for a little bit just, just so he can find his footing. But I like Gorman in the spot that he's in because, again, he is just so clutch, and When you have Goldie getting on base, you have Nolan getting on base, you want someone right behind them that's going to be able to drive them in. And I think Gorman is the guy you can count on the most right now.
1: So, Katie, you mentioned the Wilson-Contreras factor. I I, I typically am somebody that will give a a little bit of leeway to a player as established as Wilson-Contreras. So I didn't have an issue, honestly, with them continuing to put him out there batting fifth. And I still don't have an issue with it, especially after what we saw from him this weekend where the results started to follow some of the underlying numbers that we've seen. What, can you explain to us in any of the conversations that you've had with Ollie what's been his stance on this? How, how is he viewing what we've seen so far from Wilson Contreras?
0: I think we're going to have a very rare BK, Katie, Ollie trifecta, and none of us are really that concerned with uh, Contreras still in the five hole. And there's, there's a plethora of reasons for this. One, obviously, Wilson Contreras is pressing a little bit to try to get going. And you see how the way his season started, obviously, it's not ideal. He is he wants to win so badly in St. Louis. And you can see that he was kind of starting to press his way to try to get there. Things turn around this weekend for him. I'd expect him to remain in the five-hole. But it's just consistency. Baseball is a long season, right? We're here for six months. They've played, what, 16 games? we got a lot to go. And the rationale, especially when a team is underperforming a start season like St. Louis, is... If something's not working after a couple days, change it. Uh, and that's not actually the rationale that will Cardinals believe will yield the most success. So if Contreras has uh, the start of the season that he did, at that point I can also I can understand maybe bumping him down. But the Cardinals like to give him the opportunity to to cement himself and find his footing. What we can't do is if Wilson gets a couple hits to, uh, today and then struggles Tuesday, Wednesday. We can't just say, well, pull him out of the five-hole because he's not successful there. So I like the the stronger, the longer sample size that the Cardinals are giving Wilson, a guy who, again, obviously really wants to compete and really cares and wants to do well. Um, This is not a guy who is going to go out there and excuse his performance lately to start the season, you know, just like the rest of the guys on that team. But I think from the Cardinals' coaching staff perspective and Ollie's perspective, there was no need to make such a, a... a rush decision and kind of force wilson out and bump him down because when you think about it they've only played a 16th of the season there's plenty of games to go so they opted to keep him there and trust that he'd find his footing and it looks like he's starting to
2: as bk always says katie it can only get better it can't get any worse and then of course it gets worse and bk sits there and pretends that he didn't say that anyway i digress here uh one player that I'm baffled by, and I'm sure you are as well, Katie, is Jordan Hicks. And it's gotten to the mm-hmm. point now, BK is very frustrated with Jordan Hicks. It's gotten to the point where it does feel like they can't put him out there in games unless it's just a blowout one way or the other.
0: No, they, you know, that's a really, I, I'm glad we're bringing up Jordan Hicks because it's a complex issue. And on paper, it doesn't look like it. On paper, you can just say, well, why don't they, they the Cardinals preach being competitive. The Cardinals also have a ton of uh, bullpen depth in AAA so why is Hicks on this roster? And the argument, of course, is that he cannot high leverage situations. He's had plenty of opportunities, and he either, one, is not can't find his command and get in the strike zone, and then when he is in the strike zone, he's getting hit hard. So that would usually lead to, okay, let's option him down to AAA and figure out what's going on there. Of course, Jordan Hicks does not have any options because he started opening day with five years of service time so then you say okay why didn't he just accept the assignment then well if jordan hicks won no mlb player is going to uh, like accept the assignment and go to the minors and willingly take less money especially when they want to compete and believe in their stuff i don't credit jordan for not accepting the assignment if the cardinals even offered that to him but there's another layer to this where jordan if he does let's say in a hypothetical situation or any player that starts the year with exactly five years of service time if he goes down the options and he's there for more than twenty days, all of a sudden by the end of the year, he's no longer at that six years of MLB service time that he needs to become a free agent. So the Cardinals would essentially gain another year of control over Jordan. And as a player, you can't do that. Um, so I totally understand the the really tough position both the team and Jordan is in. So right now, Ollie was was. Uh, aware he said you know we know where we're at with jordan and what we can and can't do with him so we have to find a way for him to compete in low leverage situations he also said this is not a developmental league which we know this is the big leagues. you can't script performances like you would in the minor leagues again that minor league triple a assignment is not an option for hicks and the cardinals so it looks like they're going to try to put him in and blow out games while they can try to fix the command issue figure out why he's getting hit so hard in the strike zone but you always run the risk of what we saw on Saturday where there are just no arms available, and you have to put Hicks in in a tie game in the top of the 10th, and you just kind of know after the seventh slider in a row that Andrew McCutcheon is going to hit it out of the ballpark. So that's the risk the Cardinals are taking right now, and that's what makes this Hicks, this, uh, Hicks move so so fascinating because they are running out of time to decide what to do with him. And they kind of have to hope that they have the opportunities and have these blowout games for Jordan to fix himself, because that's really the only opportunity he's going to get. If he wants to remain a Cardinal,
1: Katie, can I make the case? And we're talking to Katie Wu Cardinals insider for the athletic for just another couple of minutes here on one one ESPN. For the last three years, basically since his return from injury, and of course that doesn't include 2020 where he opted out due to the pandemic, is a 5.5 ERA over 77 innings. That is not fake. That's very real. And even the underlying numbers suggest that that's kind of where he should have been. That's 30% below league average. At this point, you know what Jordan Hicks is. I like Jordan Hicks. I hope that he gets this thing back on track. But he's a free agent at the end of the season. At some point, and maybe that's not right now. Maybe the Cardinals say, maybe that's two, three, four, however many more outings. At some point, don't you have to say, hey, we've got better options to be in this spot in the minor leagues than what Jordan Hicks is giving us in the big leagues right now?
0: Yes, I think that you eventually will have to come to that point if Jordan can't figure it out and what I believe will be the last long leash they give him. Um, But we've talked all spring and early season about how effective and exciting the Cardinals bullpen is, and the options they have, and how it was the most competitive aspect of their roster. And I still believe all of that to be true. But again, you go back to where the Cardinals are; they're kind of aren't they're, they're in a bind, and so is Jordan on what they're able to do with him. So he will get one more chance. But I think that argument is, that you know the Cardinals know what Jordan Hicks is is fair; it's valid. But when you have a guy that can throw 103, it's really hard to give up on him. So and the argument, of course, and we can go back and forth on this, is sure. what's the point of throwing 103 if those balls get hit and he can't get anyone out? And I, I totally understand that. But I think from the Cardinals' perspective, they like Jordan. They want to give him one more shot. They, Anytime you have a guy that can throw 103, though, other teams are going to be like, well, we can fix him. So there's also the argument that if they keep Jordan until, you know, middle May, early June, and it's still not working out – They could find a way to package him for a deal because 29 other teams, like I said, are going to be excited about a guy that can throw 103 and believe they can fix whatever issues the Cardinals are seeing with him.
1: Katie, we'll get you out of here on this, and we appreciate the time as always. What do you expect the Cardinals to do with their rotation? I know that it sounds, at least, like... Bueno is going to be going out on a rehab stint probably either tomorrow or Wednesday, sometime early this week. Uh, Jake Woodford is currently scheduled to start on Wednesday. liberator has been awesome down in the minors. There's been some chatter of a potential six-man rotation. How do you think all this uh, gets sorted out over the next week or so?
0: That's a good question. I think it's fair. No disrespect to Jake Woodford, who has in an admirable job filling in. I thought he had his best start last time out. Um, obviously a scoreless outing. That's not a bold proclamation by any means, huh. but it's it's easy just to think that, you know, when Adam comes back, Jake is the last, is, is out of the rotation because he was the last guy in. Um, we'll see. The Cardinals are in a little bit of a tough spot in May. They are they don't have too many off days. They could use a six-man rotation, but I don't see guys like Wright, Michael of Flaherty. I mean, they're all team first guys, but are those guys that you really want on a six-man rotation? So, the the argument that you can make is when Adam comes in, Woodford goes back. You know he is so expendable because he can fit so many roles. Woodford can pitch in the bullpen. They don't have a long relief guy at the moment. That's actually not something that Ollie Marmol too concerned with because when you look at how the Cardinals kind of use their relief, the long relief man doesn't really appear that often. And they do have Stratton that can go multiple innings, but. It does create a bind and it also goes back to what we said about Jordan Hicks. You know, can you really justify keeping Hicks or someone who has underperformed when you have someone like Woodford who has stepped up and done a good job? So it'll be interesting. I don't think we'll still see uh, Matthew Libertor just yet, but he certainly is someone to uh, keep your eye on in Memphis and for the first time in a while. I do think the Cardinals, again, have substantial starting pitching depth, and I know the rotation is going to be a, a sore spot and a talking spot for the next couple of months, but I was actually pretty encouraged by what I saw from the rotation through our last turn. Now I think the next step is to start going deeper in games, but we'll see how the next turn goes through. I think that'll tell us a lot about you know when Adam comes back, if it's one or two rehab assignments, who's in and who's out.
1: It is funny, over the last like five, six games, I- I've been more frustrated with the offense than the pitching. Uh, the-, the pitching right. I have lower standards for, so that plays into this, of course, but the, the offense has been what's been frustrating yeah, for the Cardinals now. That's why you're more of a pessimistic guy, <laughs> and we're more <laughs>
2: optimistic.
1: Katie, we appreciate the time, as always. We always look forward to catching up with you on a Monday after a big Cardinals weekend. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll be reading over at The Athletic, and we'll talk with you again next week.
0: Thanks, guys. You got it. We will talk soon.